Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Ryan, we're back for another educational podcast. Um, this one's going to be a little bit different, huh? It is. And I, Pam, I really do. I learned so much. Even though we are in the in the uh, oncology world and working with um, survivors and working with those in treatment and out of treatment, I, you know, sometimes I, I never feel like I know everything, obviously, but I feel like I have a pretty good grasp. But there are a lot of times I, I am very... Uh, surprised by what I learn at these podcasts. Me too. But, you know, um, we talked about, you know, hard topics. And I think um, when we talk about cancer in general and being metastatic, that is a very hard topic. And yes. maybe a topic that is um, not talked about um, openly. And so I'm super excited about today's guest. Yes. We don't ever want to leave anyone out. Um, you know, that's why we have our, our podcast is called Beyond the Ribbon, right? Because we are not about one color, one type, uh, male, female. We are about all of them, including our, our stage four friends. And so uh, that's the topic today is going to be covering uh, and discussing about metastatic breast cancer. In this case, um, we're super excited to have the executive director of an organization called Metaviver. And uh, I have to say, Pam, you know, um, that's a really unique way to say it. And I think that, that, that we're going to really kind of talk through that. But let me tell you about Metaviver before I introduce our guest. Uh, Metaviver is dedicated to the specific fight of women and men, because we know men get breast cancer, living with stage four metastatic breast cancer. At the time of Metaviver's founding, no organization was dedicated to funding research for the disease and no patient groups were speaking out about how low amount of money was being spent on stage four cancer research. While more and more people have taken up the cry for more stage four research, Metaviver remains the sole U.S. organization dedicated to awarding annual stage four breast cancer research. And we are lucky to have the executive director, Sonia Negley, joining us today. Sonia, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me today. Well, we are very glad to have you. Uh, we always say we go to the experts and, you know, with an organization focusing on metastatic breast cancer and metastatic disease, I think uh, there's no one better to talk about this than, than the director of that program. So thank you for taking time to join us. Absolutely. So, Sonia, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Metaviver? Uh, sure. Um, I have had a consulting business since um, 1992, very long time, um, and worked a lot in the cancer space. But um, it, it, in 2010, I lost my sister to metastatic breast cancer. And one of the things that she said to me was, can't you do something? This is, you know, where you are. Can't you find a research grant that will help save lives of people living with um, stage four metastatic breast cancer? And she had mets to the liver. Um, and so that was my charge. So I shared, after she passed, I shared with my colleagues that I would really love to do something in the metastatic breast cancer space. And um, 
it just so happened that Aviva was transitioning from an all volunteer organization to um, to an organization that needed a person that was dedicated to the organization. So um, we were we launched um, Metavivor's new program in 2016, just ahead of the Cancer Moonshot program, mm-hmm. and we're able to um, double the income for metastatic breast cancer research and be part of the Cancer Moonshot program. So um, since then, we've just had an upward trajectory, and that's my mission is to um, raise funding that will transition this disease from terminal to one that is definitely survivable with a good quality of life. Yeah. Talking about research, you know, um, cause we get asked a lot of times, well, um, do y'all, do y'all fund research? Do you, do you, do you help with research and research can be this huge nebulous that means a million different things, right? Uh, you know, Absolutely. From the person that's dropping the, the, the liquids into the pipettes that you see on, on uh, commercials, you know, with the gown and the gloves and all the things to just the person enrolling into clinical trials. And so mm-hmm. um, how do you guys choose where your research money dollar, your dollars go? Well, we would love to fund every single research proposal that we get, but annually we have what we call a um, call for proposals. And so we put out what we're going to fund for that year. Um, typically, always, um, I, we've never not funded um, translational research, um, but we sometimes we'll have a special research program during the year, but we put out a request for a proposal in January and that goes to our partners that are, um, that are medical journals. It also goes out via press release. And then we also send it broadly to our metastatic breast cancer researchers, um, at institutions and biotech firms. And we, um, we look at really two things. Um, one, we look at um, anything that can improve the progression-free survival of patients or the overall survival, right? We, the big C cure may not happen with metastatic breast cancer, but it can be, and it's very feasible to be a disease that no longer causes death, but is rather chronic Mm -hmm. so that a treatment may work for an extended period of time and a person has their normal lifespan versus a shortened lifespan, um, which is the way it is now. Um, We know that patients will probably be on treatment for the rest of their life. So making sure that we're helping researchers discover whether or not a um, treatment needs, uh, the amount of treatment that needs to be administered can be reduced to improve quality of life. Anything like that, we look at. We just don't um, do anything with early stage breast cancer. There's plenty of money in that space. We do look at health disparities and, you know, what causes those things uh, that make the disease more deadly for people of color. So So we we do that each year. You talked about funding this. How do you raise money for this? 
Well, it's it's really interesting. And I'll tell you, I've worked with nonprofits my entire career, and I've never seen a more beloved organization. Um, patients living with metastatic breast cancer are typically the initiators of fundraisers for the organization, whether it be on, on Facebook or um, we have programs called Metzgerades that are the galas. Um, and they host those all over the country. And they typically have a group of people that work with them that um, help um, put on those fundraisers. Uh, we are very small staffed. We put 100% of every single donation that's made to Metaviver toward funding metastatic breast cancer research. And um, so we are very... Um, we're very transparent about where our money goes. Our board's made up of patients and caregivers, and we are um, very serious about um, the way that we do this funding. Um, one other thing I'd like to mention is when we're deciding on those grants, we have a two-level review process. So we have peer reviews, meaning other scientists review and score those grants to, to make sure that they are scientifically appropriate um, and um, then they score those. And then we also have what we call a patient review process for impact. Patients review those grants and they say whether or not it is impactful to them or to their community. Mm -hmm. And so those scores are combined and then we we have a pay line. So in December, our board looks at every dollar that we've raised for the entire year and we fund to the pay line. So we fund every grant Starting with the best score um, down, we fund grants for uh, for uh, career metastasis researchers and then also early career investigators, um, at least those two programs. And we fund until we don't have any more money left. Wow. And um, and so it's it's a very this time of year is very exciting for us because we just finished our peer review and our patient review. And now we have our scientific advisory board that goes through and looks at any disparities in scores. And then our board comes together and they get to see the research that's been proposed for the year. And we've made some really um, great strides in um, treatment in in research for treatment for patients living with metastatic breast cancer. I would imagine, you know, with you guys really kind of being the lead, the forefront leader, carry the torch, whatever you want to call it, for metastatic breast cancer, I would imagine that um, occasionally, if not every year, a trial comes across your desk to fund that really gets your researchers, really kind of gets them charged up and excited. Um, Yes. I would imagine that 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 is a fun process of going through those pro, those uh, requests for proposals uh, to see what all is there, hoping that there will be great outcomes. Absolutely, um, we can't always fund one stage phase one through three clinical trials. We usually get in on the phase one um, part of clinical trials because we our grants right now. Um, for this past year, we're up to 250,000. We have done up to 500,000, but um, clinical trials can be very expensive. They can run in the 10 to $30 million range and, um, and we're not there yet. 
but and we take a long to time and take a long oh time to get from phase two, you know, phase one to two to three. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I certainly would not, I used to be a pharmaceutical rep, so I certainly would yeah. not discount, you know, yeah. putting your money in a phase one trial because you've got to start somewhere. And if they never, concept, mm-hmm. yes. And if they never get funding for a phase one, it is, it'll never make it to phase two. Right. So I think, I think that's great. Now let's talk about um, a little bit of, about awareness. I know you mm-hmm. guys put a big focus on awareness. You, you talked about the, the galas that um, are put on uh, pretty regularly. Uh, mm-hmm. What can you tell us about your focus on, on the awareness side? Um, we do a couple of things. One, we are the, we hold the trademark for the metastatic breast cancer awareness ribbon. And we are not a ribbon organization. We don't claim to be. However, one thing that we do with that ribbon is that we hold it very close. We feel like it represents all of the people living with metastatic breast cancer. And so um, we we try to keep it pretty pure and we only allow the use of it for uh, fundraising for metastatic breast cancer um, research. And so um, we we have that uh great ability to to do that so that we can um, kind of control where the money goes. A a lot of times, especially during this time of year, uh, companies just slap a pink ribbon on something just so they can get attention. And none of that money goes to research. And it's very frustrating for our patient population. It's very frustrating for organizations like ours that that do put money toward research. So um, we we always um, caution folks during this time of year to really look and see, find out, research where their dollars are going for donations or when they buy a product. Um, one of the, um, the other things that we do is that we try to connect the dots and have people tell their story nationally or internationally. Um, especially at a congressional level. Um, There are a lot of things that happen that we have to keep an eye on um, that could potentially hurt patients who are terminally ill and will be on treatment forever. Um, Those things have to be, you know, those treatments have to be paid for. And um, and there's not like a a specific route to treatment or to bridge treatments, each time a person changes a treatment, it's specific now to their uh, personal uh, mutations or their personal subtype for their metastatic breast cancer. So we um, try to help them tell their stories and give them a venue to do that so that there's more uh, research at a national level and that um, there's patient protections and healthcare for sure. So for our listeners and they say, well, I'm metastatic and I'm stage uh, four breast cancer. How did, how can I tell my story? How do they get involved? All they have to do is contact us um, at www.metaviver.org. We have a place to subscribe. We don't send a thousand emails. We're very limited on how we um, share information. Um, Right now we are in the, the, middle of what we call stage four stampede. Um, We have a great advocacy committee and they work very hard to help folks tell their story. Um, We have a toolkit. We make it very simple 
um, for patients to be able to share their story. And each state has a captain that um, sets up meetings and everything's done via Zoom. So it's a super easy process right now. Uh, once we're, we feel comfortable going back in person, we'll be in Washington, D.C. this time of year. Um, we spend two days on Capitol Hill sharing stories and communing with each other. Um, a lot of people meet each other online and then we uh, come together in person in Washington, D.C. But um, we, we try to do that because we're one organization and we need um, folks at a national level to understand we really need a billion dollars versus billion with a B versus million with an M to fund research for this disease. We we lose 115 people every single day to this disease. It's an epidemic. Yeah. Well, and we we are do what, Pam? 115. That's a lot. Yeah. And it's it keeps going up. Um and and uh, we have our largest growing population of people who are diagnosed are in the 17 to 25 year age range. So um, we, you know, we're not a big uh, pusher of um, diagnostic testing because it really um, doesn't happen for men or for uh, younger people. Um, so we we are an advocate for checking, uh, doing self-exams and checking your own breast and determining if there's any um, issues or things that just don't look right or feel right. Yes. They're probably genetics, a push yeah. for genetics too. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. It is, we wish we knew what caused metastatic breast cancer, but we don't. Yeah. Well, we are huge proponents of um, getting stories told and getting stories shared. Um, we, of course, feel that uh, it provides hope. It provides um folks a connection and um it is it's very healing for someone to share their own story and so we're right there with you on the importance of that and of course from the standpoint of congressional uh leadership and and so forth as you're talking about in washington dc i can't think of a better way to convey the importance of cancer research in general and then also metastatic cancer research uh than having someone uh be able to listen to uh, the story of of someone who's gone through that. If, if, if is there anything from from your organization that maybe our listeners who you know um, who have metastatic breast cancer that they can be a part of, other than uh, going on and telling their story? Um, well, we do a couple of things. Um, of course, there's it's been a big anomaly with the pandemic and our population having um, uh, very weak immune systems. But um, we do a program where we come to different cities throughout the U.S. We call it C2C for NBC. And we have peers who drive an RV that's wrapped in metastatic breast cancer awareness information, um, loaded with information on, on the RV. And we go from um, one city to the next, going to cancer centers to give um, talks about metastatic breast cancer and help people understand um, what others go through, and then what the latest uh, information is about research. We visit our researchers on the road. 
Um, we just do, we attend events and we share information about metastatic breast cancer because a lot of people don't know. They hear um, information about breast cancer and and, survi and surviving and, and we are very happy for that, but there is another stage of breast cancer and that is metastatic breast cancer. Early stage disease, if there's a tumor that remains in the breast, it is perfectly survivable, um, treatable, and you end treatment. Um, however, people who are diagnosed de novo, de novo are at their original diagnosis with metastatic breast cancer will never get off treatment. People who were early stage and later become metastatic, there's about 30% of those people who do that they will be on treatment for the rest of their lives um, and their lives will be shortened. And so we are very concerned about sharing that information and having people understand that um, when that those tumor cells leave the breast and attach to other organ, organs, it then becomes fatal. And so we, we need funding for research so that we can prevent um, people dying. I mean, it is, it is a must. And um, if we solve it stage four, everybody wins. So um, that's, that's our story that we tell on the road. And we sure hope that um, people listening will uh, agree with that and work toward um, helping us um, end death from metastatic breast cancer. Do you know approximately how many patients are metastatic when they are diagnosed? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, our surveillance epidemiology and end results database at, that is held by NCI counts um, patients who are diagnosed de novo are at original diagnosis, but they don't count progression. If you were early stage and then you progressed to um, to stage four, they don't count that. They count it as a secondary cancer. We're trying to change that now um, and we're making great progress. So we everything is an estimate and it's typically based on research um, and some other factors, but we um, the estimate is 265,000 people in the US, just the US living with metastatic breast cancer. Um, and that is a is a large number. So um, we expect that number is growing because our daily uh, uh, rate of death is growing. So we anticipate um, that number getting higher. Um, we just want a better way to count it. And so we um, encourage at a national level for uh, modernization of that SEER database. Yeah. You all feel with the uh, pandemic um, that patients, um, you're seeing more patients with stage four than earlier stages? Um, I don't know if there's more. We haven't looked at that scientifically, but I can say that treatment was halted for a lot of patients during the pandemic. And so um, progression happened. Um, for a lot of patients that maybe would have still been NED or no evidence of disease. So um, it's it's kind of hard to say. I would guess that since there were less diagnostic testing 
and less emphasis on um, on self-exams and that type of thing, that there probably will be um, larger numbers. And it'll be interesting to see when we go into 2023 and 2024 and they do a look back at deaths. Um, the National Cancer Institute says that um, 98 to 99% of all breast cancer deaths are from metastatic breast cancer. Um, and, and that's the truth. I mean, you know, unless there's a complication, early stage disease is survivable. Yeah. Well, I tell you, um, it, it takes everyone involved to make a difference globally, nationally, in your state, in your region. It really does. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate what you guys do for our metastatics uh, folks, because um, as I said, I mean, being that forefront, it, it, it's really a, a special calling. And um, I know that anyone listening that's uh, metastatic breast cancer and metastatic cancer in general um, totally understands what, what we're talking about. So absolutely. Uh, or anybody who's lost someone yes. to breast cancer knows that um, it was metastatic breast cancer. Sure. Most likely. Mm -hmm. Yes. So definitely thank you for what you're doing and thank you for joining us today. We always thank like to you. leave, we always like to leave our listeners with a very powerful moment. Uh, of course, we're sponsored by Pete's Car Smart Kia. Is there something that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Do you have a Pete's powerful moment? Yes, we've had um most of our work is done through metastatic breast cancer patients, not just fundraising, but um, volunteerism advocacy is done by patients who are terminally ill. And um, one story that that I would love to leave people with that just shows the commitment level of um, these folks is we had a board member, Karen Petricelli, who was um, who had failed on several treatments and she was approaching the end of her life and she was in hospice. And the thing that amazed me the most was that we had a board meeting and a board meeting call and she joined from hospice on that call. Like that was one of the things that she really wanted to do toward the end of life is still continue to help other patients living with metastatic breast cancer. And we see that frequently. So um, just remember, these are really great folks, um, very smart, very um just very engaged and very committed folks who are even at end of life helping um, others in the metastatic breast cancer community. Wow, what a powerful story. Mm -hmm. Sonia, um, how do people reach out to you? What's your website? www.metaviver.org or info at metaviver.org. Um, we have lots of training programs and information on our website. Um, if you want to become involved, you are, we, we are a come one, come all organization and we appreciate any volunteerism. That's so awesome. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Sonia, for joining us. Thank and you. Yeah, for our listeners, definitely go check out their website. Um, find a place to plug in. If, if you are uh, living with metastatic breast cancer, uh, find a place to plug in and, and be a part of their organization. Uh, of course, we know, uh, you, you know, you want we want you to be a part of what we have going on at the Survivorship Center from uh, the various classes we have, uh, whether it is um, our support group, uh, our nutrition classes. Again, just always like to throw out there that every single thing that goes on at our center 
is free, right, Pam? That's right. We like that word. Yeah, fits within the budget. It certainly yeah. does. It, it certainly does. Uh, you know, the, the other thing too is, is is share our podcast episodes with those that you know that are uh, in the same boat. So uh, if you know someone that's living with metastatic breast cancer, this is a perfect one to send their way uh, and let them know about uh, this resource of Metaviver out there. Uh, if you have any idea or any thoughts or, or questions for us, or maybe an idea of a podcast episode, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can send that to our website. Uh, our email address is info at 24 survivorship.org. And then if you have, uh, maybe you want to make a, a little small donation or something that you felt like the, the podcast has impacted you, you can certainly do that on our website as well. 24 survivorship.org backslash donate. And we thank you guys for listening again, share this podcast with your friends, your neighbors, and your relatives. And then make sure and join us here next week for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.